0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez, and joining us in the show today is the one and only Dow Win with Win Win Fitness out of Texas. What's going on, Dow? How you doing today, man? Happy Tuesday. Man, I'm blessed as always, JJ. How you doing, man? There we go. Every day is a good day, and uh, we're excited to have you on. And before we dive in to the nitty-gritty of what you have going on with Win-Win, you know, first, Dow, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people, and what made you get started in The French Place?
2: Well, as far as how I describe it to people, it's pretty much just all things fitness and nutrition. I, I try not to live on myself to to just one avenue of it. Uh, As far as how I got into it, it, I won't say it was on accident, but it wasn't exactly planned. Uh, When I was in my mid late 20s, I had been kind of living a party boy life and uh, getting in trouble a whole lot, chasing illegal money, that kind of thing. And uh, it wasn't too long before I realized there's not much future in it because I was just getting in trouble left and right. So I needed something that was gonna kind of take my focus away. So I got into boxing, of all things, man. And uh, it was it was kind of a return to my love of sports, which I had when I was a kid. I was hardcore basketball, but I kind of got away from that when I got grown and was able to do things that I wasn't allowed to do when I was younger. And uh, <laughs> boxing really did take me away from it because I realized you can't smoke and drink and then go in there and box these guys, man. They're just going to tear you apart. And uh, I got myself in really, really good shape. Functional shape was unbelievable. I was like a machine. And as it turned out, I was pretty good at boxing. So I decided I was going to take some fights. And I I became an amateur fighter. Like, you know, golden gloves, tournaments, things like that. But uh, at my age, I kind of got a late start in the game. And I realized that I'm not going to the Olympics. And there's not going to be a whole lot of people knowing who I am. So me trying to make a career out of it was not really Like, what am I going to do, make 500 bucks a fight and fight three, four times a week and make a decent living? Like, there's no way. So uh, I kept myself in fight shape. I stopped taking fights, and I kind of hung around my trainer and let him kind of show me the ropes on how to train fighters and train boxers, because I loved it so much, I didn't want to leave it. And uh, I I really got a lot of experience doing that, but I realized there's more money in training people for boxing for cardio reasons, because not everybody wants to get punched in the face. right? And these kids, most of these kids that are good at fighting are... Mostly coming from impoverished areas, they're tough, right? They're mentally tough and they don't have a whole lot of money. So you just kind of hope that one of them blows up and doesn't forget you if he makes it big you're doing a lot of favors along the way. So again, kind of long shots there. So I started, uh, you know, using boxing as kind of a training device for people who wanted to lose weight or learn a little bit of self-defense, get some confidence. And then I realized there's even more money in the general fitness field. So that's when I decided to get my personal trainer certificate, my nutritionist certificate, and I uh, branched off into that field. And, um, I mean, there's plenty more to that story as growth would allow. But that's how I got into it. I love
1: it. I love it, man. And so, you know, let's dive a little bit deeper here a and, and win-win. So how, how many clients are you guys at currently or, how, or yourself? How much are you at currently?
2: I have a little over 30 currently. Uh, it's been as high as 44, I think, was the highest amount of clients I had at one point. And it, it, okay. it goes up and down, you know, give or take five here, five there. You know, uh, oh. COVID kind of did a number on it a little bit. I think for everybody. And
1: uh, and so let me let me ask you this too. I'll use myself as the avatar. If I came in uh, down and I was like, yo, I'm ready to get started, man. Like, let's go. Um, what would I then have to pay to then become an active client?
2: Well, my going rate without any deals or us working out the negotiations at 75 bucks an hour, right? And that does include macronutrient coaching. I give you a free macronutrient plan, teach you kind of how to read food labels so that you can learn how to sub in and make your own food plan. But if you're just too lazy to put that kind of thought into it, I do still sell milk plans as well. And uh, that's another menu option. But that's the basic running rate, uh, in one-on-one training. Totally, totally. And,
1: and so for you specifically what has been the best method to finding new clients
2: man i'm kind of an old school guy the majority of my clients have come from human referral uh i won't lie facebook it brings more i guess questions than any other platform i've ever tried to advertise on but most closed deals have come from existing clients bringing people in human referral it's I don't know, I, I, maybe it has to do with my age. I'm 42 years old, and I'm not really in that field, you know, that, uh, that social media field so hardcore. So maybe if I was in this newer generation mindset, maybe most of my clients would come from that because, I mean, Facebook is a great marketing tool. Yeah, I,
1: I completely understandable. Let me say this too, uh, Guy. I think for the most part, you're a professional trainer, gym owner, fitness professional, whatever you want to say, you're not supposed to be a professional marketer. So at that point... You can't bother yeah. yourself at that, you know? I think it's, it's yes, you have to understand it, on, on, at least on a on a small scale, but you're not really supposed to be the pro there anyway. <laughs> so I respect the fact that you're open to kind of understand that, hey, there is an avenue there where you can get leads. Um, and, and so this is probably my favorite question. And hypothetically speaking, of course, here too, traffic leads clients were unlimited and you can have as many as, as possible. Where you're at now, Hypothetically speaking, here, how much more can you handle?
2: Uh, I don't have a whole lot of time slots uh, time left for for clients. Uh, you know, the group classes those are those allow me a little bit more leeway. I can fit multiple people in there. Uh, as far as the selling and trading of the equipment, that's unlimited. Um, I mean, it really you don't have to have a time slot to do that with me. So, uh, I have a lot of stuff on like Amazon and eBay, you know, I sell online as well. So it's that part of the game, I'm just scratching the surface and it doesn't really consume my time the way actually training clients does. Um, I can fit a few more in at this point, but uh, it's mostly gonna be, I, I, I hate to say this, I have to be somewhat selective. At this point in my career, no, I awesome. would rather have, have serious clients that are going to do what I tell them to do and actually take my advice and show up and be consistent and show me the results rather than a whole bunch of people that pay me, but don't do anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I think you get the bigger
1: return off the folks who do make that commitment to themselves. Right. Um, uh, but now this is kind of curious, this is kind of just off topic anyway. Um,
2: I mean, have you considered, or do you do anything online as well? Uh, as far as like online training, I use this app that we're on now, Zoom, a lot for. I have some out-of-state clients. Some of my clients, uh, a lot of my clients from that JNS Fitness gym, are of uh, Pakistani or Indian descent, and they leave all the time. And so when they're over there or wherever they go to, we train on Zoom at different times to try to keep the sessions going. I don't want them to fall off. Uh, <laughs> Particularly that demographic, man, a lot of those people, when they come join up the gym over there and train with us, they have never even been taught the first thing fitness related. Like, we are the first people to really try to get them to invest in their physical health like that. And so it's already kind of an uphill struggle. The last thing you want is for them to go away, start partying, and fall off the boat before they've even had a chance to see it good. Because they're already 30, 40, 50 years old and really haven't done anything. Oh, no, that's so true.
1: That's such a, it's such a, it's such a big, a, a big eye opener for a lot of people. And I think the fact that you understand that that's major. And so this is a little bit of a longer question doubts. If you need to repeat, I think by all means, just let me know. So but it's a good way to kind of self-reflect and then and, and, and kind of see it from an outside perspective, almost interview yourself in a sense, um, you know, in the fitness and gym industry, there's about three pillars of business we use pretty typically And that first one's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing your client acquisition which is your sales and then your retention and ascension which is keeping your clients longer but getting them to buy more from you in that process so of those three uh where do
2: you feel like you could improve the most probably the marketing um like i said i'm an old school kind of guy and i even though i do have an online presence of sorts i just don't think in that mode man um I'm that guy, I'm, I'm out there making memories with my family, and I got this big fancy phone with a fancy camera on it, and I still forget to take pictures, you know what I mean? So uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not in that personality of pictures and videos where it didn't happen, but I'm finding more and more that that's a useful thing to do. So I won't say that I'm just non-existent on that plane, but I, I probably need to put a little bit more effort and forward thought into that because it's the way of the world now. Totally. Totally. And I appreciate the honesty
1: and transparency there. I think, you know, oftentimes people come on air and they want it to seem like everything's all fine and dandy, which is, again, not saying anything wrong, but the fact that you know you can come on air and, and, and announce to the audience and to myself that you know you can improve that and you can do these things. Um, I thank you for that. And I'm sure the viewers appreciate that as well, um, regardless of the success that you had, you know. So, and, and last two questions for you here now. Um For you... What's the bigger picture? What are you trying to accomplish?
2: Well, man, uh, I always wanted to, and, and this may seem like a small goal to you, I always wanted to own a trainer's gym uh, where independent trainers come pay rent to me, train their own clients. Uh, it's kind of the gym atmosphere I, I grew up in. Uh, as a young trainer, um, I fell in with, uh, with owners of a gym like that. Uh, it was in Sugar Land called One-to-One Training Center. And uh, they were big in the NPC for a while. They won uh, NPC Gym of the Year in 2012. And all the trainers, wow. all, well, at least 99% of them were competitors. A lot of their clients were competitors. And these were the people that kind of showed me the roads of how to run a gym, how to be a good trainer, the type of things it takes to make business decisions and keep a gym running. Uh, big shout out to Byron and Violet Walden, by the way. They were, they were the ones, man. And they're from New York, too, by the way. Um, wow. Yeah, they're big with the GBO, that kind of thing. But being that that's kind of where I, I was raised in, I have an affinity for that type of atmosphere, man. Like I, I have no problem with your average gym goer just wanting to get in shape. Not your hardcore guy. Like no judgments. Dude. Like you you get to whatever level of this you want to, right? It's not. I'm not the guy that's gonna intimidate you. I I'm not a huge guy, right? Uh, but I know how to make you it. Got Dude, so you sound. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've worked 10 years on that. Thank you. Uh, and, but I, I'm not that guy, right? Like I'm, I'm the guy, like you want to get in shape. Come see me. I got you right. You know, but you have to be motivated to do it. So if you're not really in it or you're scared to do it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to waste your money, man. Right. Not but at all. being that I was raised around those hardcore guys and those, 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 by the way, they have a bad rep, man. Everybody thinks that they're like the douchebags you see on, uh, on the uh, Planet Fitness commercials, right? Like they're here to intimidate yeah, you and sell yeah. you packages and all this stuff. They're not like that, dude. They will be the first ones that if they see you come into the gym <laughs> and they, like you're struggling, you're a newbie, they'll be the first ones to come up to you, man, and say, it's good to see you in here, man. Let's see, let's, I want to see you again tomorrow, right? It's, like, it's a complete opposite of what you really think they are or what TV would have you think they are. And being raised around that kind of thing, I, I love it. I love it. There was a similar mentality with the boxing, right? You, you push, you push, you push, but you don't, you don't make everybody feel like they need to be you, right? To me, it's all positivity. Yeah, I love the mentality there,
1: Dow. I love that. I lo- I love. I just love what you speak for as well about the industry and just about the people who are proceeding the wrong way. I think that that's huge, especially. But understanding who you are, because, I mean, a lot of people, even though you might not think you're the biggest guy, you still got that size on you. And I think well, people still that, might man. be a little intimidated. But I think at the end of the day, the fact that you don't label yourself as such, they won't take you as such because you don't believe you're that guy anyway. So I think that's awesome. And one last question for you, Dow. Um, you know, if you can go back in time to when you first started this journey um, and you can give yourself that one piece of advice you think you needed to hear when you first started, what would that be for you?
2: Man, it would actually be a piece of business advice. Um, I told you I didn't start my LLC until this year. I should have started that thing right from the gay, dude. Um, I was, I've always been self-employed since I've taken this deal, right? I've, I've never really been an employee of somebody else. Even when I was training clients for other gym owners, it was still kind of on a 1099 basis. And at the same time, by the way, they trusted me enough to be able to pay rent to the gym and train my own clients on top of training their clients for them and manage the gym and clean the gym. So I guess two pieces of advice, start your LLC as soon as possible, man. You get unbelievable benefits from that and as your credit grows, you get all kinds of doors open, right? Second piece of advice for free, always be honest, man. Don't, Don't bother yourself with trying to snake clients, steal clients. Don't mislead somebody into thinking you're gonna work for them, but secretly you're trying to take away things and move on one day. Be honest with them. Even the people that I train clients for now, when they were recruiting me, I told them, look, I have my own business. I have my own clients. I'm never giving that up. I have no problem training your clients for you at whatever rate we agree to, but I'm never giving my end of the business up. And to this day, they still allow me to do that. And not only that, when I made this move to open up this warehouse and try to move into like equipment dealership, they offered money for it. Like they wanted to put money behind me to do it, right? Not, not only did they not discouraged me, but they wanted to to make sure that I'm good to make the move, right? So uh, honestly, I believe get you everything that you want.
1: I love that, Dow. Talk about a freaking mic drop, man. Holy cow, that's awesome, brother. Look, I think it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, Dow, you know, please shout out your Instagram, your Facebook, your website, anything you have, where can people find out more about you and the business?
2: Well, uh, Facebook, uh, I have a business page, win win Fitness LLC. Um, Instagram is win underscore win. Well, I guess I need to spell that. Win, W-Y-N-N underscore win, W-I-N underscore fitness underscore LLC. Uh, I have a Snapchat, win underscore win underscore fitness, I think, or fit. See, this is how out to of touch with my social media I am. <laughs> All right, it, I, I post on it pretty much every day. But uh, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, I'm working on my website, WinWinFitness.com. It's not up and running yet, but that's in that's in process as well. That I think that's mainly going to be more for the equipment deal, uh, and uh, that's where it's at right now with me online. Uh, big shout out to JNS Fitness and Sugar Land for uh, being a big part of my career as far as continue to support me and continue on in the same location that one-to-one training center used to occupy and sold to them. So they kept me on there. Uh, Big shout out, like I said, to Byron and Violet Walton. Without them, none of this would ever happen, man. They they taught me pretty much everything I know and continue to learn from them. Uh, Big shout out to people like yourself, Jim Lords and JJ, people who put small guys like us on the map somewhat and let us get a voice out
1: there. I love it, Dow. Thank you so much for that, man. And, and look, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to see what you can accomplish down the road. Uh, and to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you're going to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join and talk about your fitness business within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Joseph Brandenburg of True 180 Personal Training, coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Joseph, how are you, sir? What's going on? I am doing great. How are you? I am doing very well. I appreciate you asking. And and obviously, Joseph, we're here to talk about your business. We're here to talk about True 180. Before we venture off into all of the, the business and the strategy and the tactics, I think context is important for people listening. And so tell us a little bit about how you describe True 180. What is it that this business is about?
4: Well, the blandest explanation is we are a small group personal training uh, studio for women only. That's like the most. That is incredibly experience.
3: straightforward. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's more. I'm sure that barely scratches the surface of what this is about, but personal training for women at its heart, right? Before. Yeah, in small group. In, in small groups. Sure. And, and so. I think it's, it's helpful to sort of look back and see how we got here in the first place. Obviously you've spent a decent amount of time in the fitness industry at this point, but take us back to when you opened this specific business, when was it? And, and what were sort of the goals? What did you, what were you thinking about in terms of opening up this studio?
4: In 2016, um, my wife and I, we sold the larger training, kind of multifaceted training studio that we had in Washington, D.C. We moved down here. We knew that we wanted to do something smaller, um, around the 1,000-square-foot mark, uh, because that would prevent us... uh, from getting a, a lot of employees so would basically be forced to to stick to full-time people um because if you see size the cost of living having a, a large uh, training studio we had classes open gym access and other things you have to have part-time employees and uh i don't know regardless of what anybody says you can't you cannot make a part-time person as good as a full-time person. And everyone would tell me that, Oh, that's fine. As long as they're 80% as good as you are, that's good enough. But I just, it, it bothered the hell out of me. Yep. I couldn't stand it. So.
3: yeah, and, and, since- and I think in fitness, at least there was far fewer part-time sort of people. A lot of people left fitness in general uh, and, and so it, it's a struggle, and we can talk about staffing for the entirety of this podcast, I'm sure, but at least for the time being, you you opened up this facility, what did you say, 16?
4: Yeah, uh, the first week of September of 2016.
3: Okay. Talk to us a little bit about your experience, at least as a business owner in general. What's been your favorite part about owning your own business and, and secondarily what's been the most challenging part about owning your own business
4: um my favorite part about owning my own business uh has been just the the opportunity to make things happen and to you know like I guess it's kind of cheesy but to make dreams come true like if I say hey I want to do this this period of time, uh, putting in the work, struggling, failing, figuring it out, how to make it happen. And the, that's been the best part. And the worst part, Well, like, like I already said, was uh, uh, the, the struggle of trying to do the impossible of turning a part-time employee into someone who could actually do their job as good as a full-time employee. Yeah. Um, That's like, that's a myth that just gets sold a lot to uh, facility owners.
3: Yeah. No, I I would agree with that. Some
4: people are okay with it. And if you're, well, you just got to know are you okay with that? Uh, Because that's going to have a lot to do with your success of if you're going to try to have a bigger facility and scale up, you got to, it's got to be okay with you. So coming to grips with reality there. Uh, then getting probably the second biggest struggle would be getting bad advice uh, about the money side of the business.
3: Sure. Evaluate or expand on that a little bit more for me, because I'm sure there's plenty of bad advice out there, Joseph. I'm sure we could <laughs> provide all sorts of it. What Was there something specific that happened?
4: Um, well, the... Let's see, I've been, uh, I, my wife and I, we opened the our first facility back in maybe 2009 or 2010. So that was a while ago. Um, and back then the push was for that everybody should have a minimum of a 3,000 square foot facility that offered. Ah, uh, I see. Oh, you know, whatever yeah. the whole gamut and spectrum of stuff. Uh, we, you know so i mean we were killing it in like about 500 maybe 550 square feet uh we were killing it there we i don't know how we fit 20 people in there but we did um
3: that's got to be tight
4: it was wow and i mean people loved it like
5: yeah we didn't know any
4: better
3: <laughs> yeah
4: so you know 500 square feet margins were amazing um but then they like Business coaches just go, oh, you got to have, you know, bigger facility, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, in order to do build out on 3,000 square feet, even pinching every single penny along the way, you know, you're going to shell out a couple blocks. You know, bucks. That, you pinch every penny. Maybe you could get it done for 50 to $75 a square foot. So, you know, how long does it take to recoup? 150, $200,000. Takes a long,
5: because yeah.
4: you're not recouping it from revenue. You're recouping from bottom line, not top line. Which of course. I did not understand.
3: Yeah,
4: revenue went up, but the bottom line shrunk.
3: Yeah, I, I think fitness has this weird ego play where we measure everything on. You're only successful with a giant facility or multiple locations or yeah <laughs> thousands and thousands of members but there's plenty of people out there who are content to serve a smaller population and i think the the nature of the game is the smaller the crowd the more you're able to serve them right you can pour more value into each of these people instead of being spread thin across mm-hmm. however what your membership was and and, and you're <laughs> right commercial space Renovations; these things are not cheap, and, and so it does take a financial toll for sure. So, at least as the business stands now, uh, we've downsized a little bit and and shifted the focus more towards the small group and, and the personal training model. What spoke to you about those two types of services? What what stood out to make you want to focus on those more than anything else? Um,
4: the small group personal training. Well, we had, you know, so we had open access, you know, with program design and large group stuff. And then we had the small group and we had a, the occasional one-on-one person, but of everything over the, you know, probably I had been coaching for 18 years at that point. Um, the, the thing that had the greatest impact on people was this, was the small group personal training. Sure. The one-on-one, you know, it just gets awkward, right? And the, the cost per hour is just it's prohibitive to a lot of people, the large group stuff and the do it on your own stuff. There's just not enough accountability. And most people just simply are not going to do it on their own, uh, no matter how many, you know, behavioral modification courses you take, like, you know, people are what they are. So the, the small group allowed us, we could have decent margins and we could offer the at a per session price, that allowed people to train with us, you know, realistically three times a week. Yeah. We're about the same as what it would be one-on-one once a week, really. Yeah. So it's just a win-wins. And then that way you're not in that weird one-on-one thing all the time where like you're oh, trying sure. to be the entertainment, but getting in yeah. the way of the work, you know.
3: Yeah. The, the classic yeah. ongoing struggle of, of personal training in our industry is that one, there's downtime, right? You do a set that lasts maybe 30 seconds to a minute and then we're hanging out, just kind of being a a friend for a little while. right? And two, at a certain point, I can only serve so many people in my day. I'm gonna hit this natural ceiling and what makes sense from there, enter small group, right? It allows us to your point to serve a, a, a little bit bigger of a population of people while keeping in mind, We still want to focus on coaching and and tailoring it to the individual, but we can do so at a little bit more digestible of a price point for the client, as well as they now have a little bit more of a social impact, a little bit of competition or camaraderie, if you will. It seems to be a win all around. And so that's become your focus. Uh, Walk us through at least from a numbers perspective, how do your numbers now compare to pre-pandemic? Were you guys hit pretty hard, or, or were you able to survive?
4: Well, both. Okay. <laughs> we were hit pretty hard, and we were able to survive. Uh, yeah, we got, I think it was like March 16th or March 17th, when the, yeah. the great state of North Carolina said, you know, it's no yeah. longer... You're closing for just
3: two weeks, though, right? Remember? Yeah. Two
4: weeks. Who the hell? I mean, and they're like, you gotta close your doors. We're also not gonna do anything for you. Uh go, you know, go go F yourself. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, we got we got we got smushed real hard. We pivoted to doing the the training on Zoom about you know within 12 hours of the announcement um and you know since that was the only option available it was the best option available yeah. the it best functioned
3: it. as it as best it could at least yeah.
4: um you know there's some people it works really well for and then there's a whole lot of people it's eh, you know
5: yeah but
4: something something beats nothing so you know we just We uh, scraped and scrapped and struggled. Um, Luckily, since, you know, personally, um, we are extremely financially conservative. uh, You know, we were able to not pay ourselves for a significant period of time. And, you know, we were fine.
3: That helps. Yes. There were a lot of people that were hoping for whatever sort of revenue was coming April and Mar- or April and May beyond that that yeah. weren't able to do as well as you did so we weathered the storm at least now here we are operating with, with some semblance of normalcy is there still some social fears and anxiety lingering i think so but oh, we yeah. can get we can get back to at least training people the way that we wanted to train people are you guys back to where you were? Are we beyond that? What does that look like?
4: Um, I mean, we're back. Depends on the month, right? Sometimes we're back where we were. Some months we're better than we were. Some months we're a little bit below. You know, we're...
3: Sure. So but, fluctuation at least. Fluctuates. I want, to, yeah. I, want to, I want to pick your brain about the marketing for this because I think marketing for the personal training or, or the semi-private client is a little bit different of an activity than marketing for a, a boot camp or a traditional open gym style facility. What's worked for you? How have you been able to rebound and, and regrow this membership? How are you guys generating interest in people joining the gym? Um,
4: well, I'll tell you what, what hasn't worked
3: okay just as valuable sure
4: if not more because the money you save um social media advertising of any kind um
3: has not worked is that what you're saying
4: not not at all it has been we i went through like okay what's the cost per lead cost per sale the lifetime client value of somebody that we got from social media I want to say, yeah, going off memory, but I think it was about ten months because of like the, the high cost per lead from the social media, like Facebook, Instagram, etc. Yeah. It was like ten months to break even on the sale, and then on average, those people didn't even stay for ten months. So, like, even if we signed somebody up, basically, we weren't profitable, it cost us money right? yeah. to sign that person up. So we were like, you know what, we'd be better off. With fewer clients, it would have them like. Sure. It was, it's weird to, but so, yeah. You know, I've heard not, from, not
3: I've heard from a number of fitness business owners like yourself that have done this sort of thing. They spent money on whatever it is Facebook, Instagram, Google, hoping for some sort of positive outcome. And when it didn't happen, they have this like jaded, feeling that get a little bit burnt by it um let me let me ask you this and and dig a little bit deeper because i think this is important was it handled in-house was this outsourced to somebody how did you guys actually put that in play
4: um we did everything so we tested for some months um outsourced Uh, we tested for some additional months outsourced differently uh we tested for some additional months in in, in in-house yeah with coaching and then just in-house our own thing so i mean like and across the board lots and lots of testing um so every single no matter how you sliced it uh in-house worked the best of all but i mean it's like the tallest midget it's not really
3: it it moved the needle but not as much as you would have liked it but it
4: the sales, like, you know, the it, it just costs too much to make the sale. So, and the person that is attracted for whatever reason, no matter how many, you know, video, still free thing, not free thing. It's, it's just the people that were finding us that way were not people who were, like, particularly good fits and weren't going to stick around. Um, I mean, we... I can't tell you how many dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of ad sets that we went through with testing and A B splitting and, you know, all the whatever. I even forget all the words, but the jargon about, you know, testing the ads. Google was a hot spot for a short or a bright spot for a short period of time. And then it, I don't know. It's kind of seemed like, you know, once upon Google's a time. Google a little Facebook. bit
3: different. With it, at least with Google, you're only paying if they actually click it. Facebook, Instagram, you're paying regardless. You know what I mean? True.
4: But, like, um, it's kind of like, you know, once upon a time, you could get great leads at a reasonable price on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and then probably, I, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Over time. The powers
3: that be. The powers that be.
4: It doesn't even matter why, because I can't do anything about that. All I, is that, you know, the ROI on it just goes into the toilet. Google started out being a a phenomenal source of leads at a reasonable price, uh, who were qualified leads. And then, I don't know, eventually just over maybe about a 12-month period of time, it just shifted to, they didn't necessarily get more expensive, but... Um, the quality of the lead just went boom. Yeah.
5: yeah,
4: you know it used to be that if we got somebody on Google, it would be ninety percent show rate, and then over time that dropped to like a fifty percent show rate, and that's with the, you know, same follow up systems and confirmation systems, and you know, if your show up rate goes to half,
3: naturally we have less at bats, we're gonna have yeah. less success on the scoreboard that's for sure uh and and so negative well sort of neutral to negative if you will experience on paid social for you do you think at any point that you'll look into any other type of strategy or are you happy letting this be organic
4: um well pretty happy letting it be organic uh you know the The less time and stress that we put into that the more that we're just sort of naturally able to to divert that energy or redirect that energy into our existing client base which then they're happier and then they tell more people about us so ignoring the paid advertising eventually led to an increase in referrals you know it's not like a instant thing yeah it's not a one for one
3: but i understand
4: that's what's nice about the paid stuff. It's like you feel like you did something because no matter, even if they're garbage leads, something happens.
3: Yeah.
5: You know, typically, and you typically, can control
4: that's, it. Yeah. And you can make it happen now. That's
3: the reason people do spend money is, is because yeah. of the, the control, to your point. If we could get all of the growth that we ever wanted from referrals, organic word of mouth type leads, we wouldn't have to spend any money, right? I agree with you. No.
4: I mean, to an extent, realistically, you could, you just, you can't control it and you can't like, you can't step, it's not like a gas pedal, like the paid stuff, like you just put more money in you turn get out more the out.
3: Dial or turn down the dial, right? Yeah. The
4: referral stuff is going to have its natural ebbs and flows and trends over time, but it's just slow. Sure. Um, sure. Understood.
3: But- and and I, I, I'm on the same page with you there. Um, and, and I want to sort of take the next step here. Obviously, all of these leads are wonderful. Yeah, but at the end of the day, this is a business, and, and we need dollars and cents to be the ultimate scoreboard here. And so uh, some sort of sales process is inevitable. When you get in a lead, joseph, from from whatever source, right? They clicked on a Facebook ad, they a referral from Tommy, whoever they walked in off the street, whatever the source of the lead is. Mm-hmm. what happens in that process until that person signs to as a new member
4: um we pre-qualify them on the phone to see okay. if we want to do like an in-person initial session um just you know there's only two of us and it's a pain in the butt to rearrange our schedules to make that happen we don't want to do that many of them i mean we want to do with the right person but like you know if you sound like you're like kind of sort of going to make a lot of excuses and just, you know, be a pain in the ass. Then, you know, I'd rather go play with my kids um, than, you know, waste my time. So we pre-qualify them on the phone. Um, Then they have their uh, initial like assessment, starting point, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then they do either they sign up right away or they do some sort of trial and then they sign up in, during the trial. Our sign up percentage, um, I think about I know, 2017 or 2018, I got uh focus on improving our sales process and we've mm, three and a half, four years at, uh, about 85% sign up. Okay. So we gotten,
3: yeah, so gotten things, pretty good at it. things have improved. And I think that probably stems from a number of factors. One, weeding out some of the, the tire kickers, some of the, the people who may not be looking for whatever it is that you offer over the phone, right? That helps if we have a lot less people simply wasting time, for lack of a better term, that probably factors a huge amount into the closing percentage. And and two, I would imagine you've got a lot more reps under your belt at that point. This is a skill like anything else. People say, I'm not good at sales. Well, maybe you just haven't done it enough. You, You now at this point have probably hosted hundreds, if not thousands of these sort of consultations. I'm sure you got better at it along the way.
4: Um, I did. Well, actually, Greg does um, does 98% of them.
3: Okay. So. so
4: he's gotten a lot better. I am actually. We all not, need more people like Greg. Yeah. I've got um, a lot of like weird idiosyncrasies, and I'm always like trying to tamper with things, which, you know, sometimes it works out well and sometimes it doesn't work out well. But like, you know I wouldn't you know if we had employees who say Joseph shouldn't do that because Joseph is all you know eventually Joseph is just going to deviate from things (laughs) because he can't not (laughs) this is just who he is right uh so you know like when I'm actually able to follow my own instructions like I'm good but it's just a matter of time before I'm just yeah Drifting right off.
3: Experimenting and tinkering. Yeah. yeah. I think by nature of being an entrepreneur, I think that makes sense. I think the personality type attracts that sort of person. Uh, and, and, and so whatever reason at the end of the day, a higher conversion percentage is good for the business. It regardless, is. I want to, I want to expand this conversation a little bit because so far it's sort of just been, front end how do we get people in keeping people is is imperative here yep that's a far easier or far more important i don't want to say easy because i don't think that's the right word here. far more important task than driving volume on the front end it's a lot easier to fill a bucket if that bucket isn't full of holes yep so for you guys what factors in most to retention how are you keeping people longer term
4: um well there is a lot of things and i really could not tell you any like one thing that's like magical yep but well i'll, I'll say some stuff and it might seem excessively basic but um typically simple is, is a better answer so. I, cleanliness is is huge um cleanliness um music which is a huge pain in the butt because i haven't ever found any like services so like that's manual labor on my part like i have to making playlists, that all making playlists. i make i make a lot of playlists and uh when i am lazy about it It has a negative impact on retention, um, uh, making sure like your, your capacity, I would say for a small group personal training, you're probably looking at about 70, maybe 75% capacity is going to be the limit of where your clients are then frustrated with their inability to get the appointments that they want. So you know, whatever, you've got a hundred slots per week. I'm just making up a number. You got a hundred slots, you get four people per hour. You like to think, oh, I have, I can service 400 sessions per week. Realistically, you know, yeah, it doesn't quite work that 300 way. is the top end there and it's probably a little bit less. So maybe 280. Um, so just making sure that we, um, you know, we've done like several renovations to the facility in order to increase, uh, the usable square footage in in the studio so that we could add one more spot so that we could you know solve that frustration for people, uh, keeping the programming fresh and interesting. you know as a fitness person, yeah. you find it interesting to do, or you know you're fine doing like the same old crap all the time, but your clients, they don't like that at all.
1: Yeah,
3: novelty is of yeah. value here.
4: Yeah, and then scalable novelty. So there's that, there's, you know, like reward campaigns for consistency. Like that's important because at the end of the day, if people are consistent, they'll feel better. They'll have some kind of results, you know, within what you can control, which is when they're with you.
3: The hour of the day that they're there, yeah. Yeah.
4: And yeah, they'll, and if nothing else, they'll feel better. And that is probably the most important thing sure
5: yes
3: yeah. and so, so a okay, number of different things between. if if we're to boil it down reaching out not, to people personally yeah, it's you not know, a it's silver just, bullet but so,
4: there's no silver bullets
3: yeah um but i think if i were to at least summarize it's caring about the the person's experience right mm-hmm. wanting to provide a, a valuable service so that they feel like the money that they're spending they're getting more in return. Yeah and, and at least to, to put a metric on it, you mentioned earlier the the payback period for the social media leads that you were getting was around 10 months. Are your clients now is the lifespan of this greater than 10 months at least on average? or It
4: is. I haven't calculated uh, that actually recently enough for the as a whole. I, I only did that for the social media just to kind of see because I had a, a hunch. like like this seems like, not great. We are paying for the <laughs> privilege of wasting our time.
3: Yeah. So gut feeling at least. It was a gut crazy. feeling, and I checked
4: the numbers. And yeah. I was like, yeah. This sure. number is smaller than that number. That's not good. Yeah.
3: I, I, <laughs> anybody can see that this is not as effective as we would have liked. And so I mean, Joseph, our, our our entire conversation has been sort of focused on operating and, and growing a business in this sort of semi-private model yeah as you oh, look i can, I can tell you and, but
4: so about 97 percent retention yeah so on a monthly basis
3: so good i mean if we're to if, if industry average is 90 97 is certainly above that i can do that math.
4: god 90s I mean, sorry. I mean, that's one hundred twenty percent loss per year. You're, you're turning deal. over your yeah, whole we'll turning over their membership
3: months. pretty quick, oh, yeah. Oh. So,
4: Ooh. All right, that would be
3: above average <laughs> at least. So, uh, I mean, as you look to the future with this, what's sort of the the bigger picture? What's the longer term goal for for your business for True One Hundred and
4: Eighty? Um, the longer term goal.
3: Well, you know, I really
4: enjoy what I'm doing. As far as I know, Greg enjoys what he's doing. Um, So just keeping things interesting and finding ways to be consistently uh, excellent in what we're doing is, um, I mean, yeah, I- Continue the trend. Yeah, continuing the trend um, and not saying that I, I don't have an expectation that if we continue just doing exactly the same stuff that we're doing today, that somehow that will lead to continued success, but just adapting as things change and helping our, our clients to you know get value out of what we're doing. Yep. Um, I used to think that having a second facility would be a good idea or a third facility or and uh, i don't have any friends who've opened uh, a second or a third facility who still thought it was a good idea two or three years later they've all like that interesting that first six to twelve months they're like oh and then after that you know after the the first 12 months they're just like oh god
3: yeah i hate this uh... it's not all glory and glamour that's for sure
4: no it's uh and you know they're they're only like and they only complain about the um the fact that it's not profitable or it's breaking even but they're not like thinking about well you you shelled out two three hundred thousand dollars to get that <laughs> open if you're yeah. breaking even
3: and ROI lost. can be measured in a number of ways and your time Dude. is now split three different ways and the back end just isn't quite worth it so
5: yeah.
4: Like I've like, uh, have been like hearing like different people, like they're doing like franchises. Um, and like there's one in particular, it's, you know, what, 500, no half a million bucks, something that to, to get that, to get your first one open. And usually you got to do a multi-location deal. And I was talking to the franchisor, right. That's the people who issue yep. the franchise. Yep. And he was saying, you know, in the pro formas, if you look at it, uh, you know, you recoup your investment in like five years.
2: And I just asked him like,
4: how to, how I understand it in Excel, but like, if you're doing 300,000 per year, you're doing great and you net out 20%. 20%. I don't know. how long does it take for you to even get back to 500? Yeah. It's put in the first place. That's.
3: That's closer payback. to 10, 10 year payback. Yeah. It's uh, the franchise route is such an interesting one because I think people get sold on, and, and we could, we could certainly have this conversation for hours and hours, but people get sold on this is a business in a box. We'll tell you everything that right. you need to do. And it doesn't quite work out that way the majority of the time, but it
4: it doesn't and then they'll say oh you know well you can use the power of leverage which is code for look you, you can get into debt and do this um like if you want to have half a million dollars of personally guaranteed debt per location that that sounds like a that sounds like a nightmare by the it's, time you get to your fourth uh, location you owe two million dollars
3: yeah well at least these are things that you're thinking about as a business owner. I think a lot of our industry doesn't consider these things before making the leap. And like I said, we could go on for hours and hours. But Mr. Joseph, as we run a bit shy on time here, we'll have to start to wrap things up. Before we sign out of here entirely, I want to give you the chance to tell people where they could learn a little bit more about your business. What's the best website we could send people to?
4: True180personaltraining.com. Uh, 180 is the numbers.
3: Number 180. Perfect. This has been a bunch of fun. I I really appreciate your insight and your willingness to to share some of the wisdom and and lessons that you've learned in your tenure as an entrepreneur. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you and I wish you nothing but the best, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in, Thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
7: All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host Austin Montero, and today we are joined by Sarah McDonald from Focus Gains in Boston, Massachusetts. Sarah, how are we doing?
6: Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Yes,
7: yes, yes. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on and joining us. Uh, and uh, looking forward to this conversation. We talked off camera here a few minutes ago, so really cool stuff going on, especially at this time in like your business's, uh, we'll say, life cycle, so to speak. So. So this be cool. So Focus Gains, you're up there in Boston, and uh, we do a lot of stuff. But before we dive into that, Sarah, let's talk about, you know, what was your goal, um, personal goal, when you, when you decided to start this business?
6: So my personal goal was, um, I was kind of at a job that I wasn't passionate about. I was helping rehabilitate drug addicts. This was back okay. in 2017. Yep. And I knew that I had a very humanitarian help. Like, I like to help, sure. but... Okay. Uh, I was looking for. Uh, I, I've always been a, a gym rat, number one. So, uh, just a light bulb went off, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to combine fitness. I'm going to try to monetize off of fitness, um, become a trainer, um, and kind of just dive into the fitness world and see yeah. see where it goes. Hmm.
7: I love that you said monetize off of fitness. So, like, I think that's a good thing, right? Like, because. I hear a lot of times people said, oh, I don't do this for money. And it's like, like, it's a bad thing. Like no, we should monetize off of our service because it's so such a valuable service and product that we offer. Would you agree?
6: I agree too. I mean, your, your passion should always be a paycheck. You know, at exactly. the end of the day, we need to pay our bills and survive and what better way than to do what you love. And
7: Exactly. You know, that's it's like the most, exactly. most addictive drugs there is. If you can make money doing what you're, what you love <laughs> <about, exactly. laughs> and are passionate about. And you'll just do a better job. Like you'll care more and like, be more disciplined and all that stuff we need to do. So, very cool. So, that's uh, a great, great goal, 100%. You know, you left kind of a job you weren't super passionate about. Said you were, I wrote down passionate gym rat as you were talking there. So, was kind of that passionate, <laughs> passionate gym rat, so to speak. There's
6: a lot of us so, out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
7: For sure. So, we know why you started this thing. So, now let's talk about like how you run this business, what it's all about. So, Focus Gains Boston. First, for the listeners, we have a lot going on, Sarah. So, tell us their services and the model that you do run there.
6: So basically, my model is uh, mind, body, soul. Uh, I think for us to be operating at our highest self, uh, we need to have a strong mindset. We need to have um, a strong uh, sense of spirituality and in touch with our soul. And then obviously, we need to be physically healthy as well uh, and be at our healthiest and at our strongest. Um, And I think we should strive for all three. So that's basically my model is... um, is building strong mind, body, and souls.
7: Okay, awesome. Love it. Mind, body, soul. Have to have all three for sure. Now, within that, I know we're offering a bunch of different services. We've got yes. PT, you got group, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, tell us about what services you offer there.
6: So basically, I, I'm such a like catering type of person. Uh, so I kind of made my business a one-stop shop. So you don't have to go there to get something. You don't have to go over there to get something. You can get everything all like under one roof Um, so I offer personal training group classes um online training fitness challenges um meal prep um fitness apparel uh energy healing so it's kind of like literally like you know it's it's created like a little lifestyle community where um it's a part of my branding and it's also just, I think it's convenient for everyone, Um, you know, and they feel more comfortable, like knowing where the source is and, you know, not having to like go to 20 different places to get one thing.
7: Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I love that. And um, yeah, our members are going to spend that money on other items as well, like clothing and uh,
6: exactly, yeah, food,
7: supplements. So if you have it all there, I think even better, like you said, that one-stop shop. Right. It's a great way
6: to like boost your stream of revenue is having, letting multiple ones.
7: Yep, for sure. I agree. totally. It's a great way to ascend members to increase average revenue per member, which I wrote down, as you were saying, so I agree totally now. So we have online option, we have challenges that we run meal prep, like you said, energy healing, personal training, apparel, group classes now. Let's talk about ways, I wanna dive into those a little more here in a second, Sarah, but how do you go about marketing your services and your products? How do you get new, new clients in the door, so to speak?
6: So, um, well, at this point, I've, um, I've been doing it for so many years. A lot of yeah. it is word of mouth and just yeah. people that are happy with their results and their service, that they tell their friends about it. Um, that's just something that builds over time, but I also definitely use utilize social media uh it's a it's a free tool um i mean i I do the ads as well um i'll do i'll run some ads um and you know definitely like um partnering up with people collabing because getting access to different networks that you normally wouldn't um, have access to so that's kind of been my strategy with marketing for now um it's been very cost effective the way that I've been doing it, um, which is great if you're a small business, you know, trying to save some money. Um, yeah, so, <laughs>
7: it
5: oh, worked good. for that's me. Good.
7: Yeah, that's great, that's great. I, I, I like that you have a multifaceted approach to marketing, which we need to do. I wanna dive into a few of those real quick here, Sarah. Now, um, social media, uh, the organic outreach part, this can be big and great, obviously, and it's free. You said you brought up yep. you've done some paid advertising. What's been like your experience with that? What's been like the return on investment? How that worked for you?
6: With that, it's kind of a hit or miss. Um, okay. You, I, I would suggest um, maybe um, investing in an ads class, like a master ads class, because, you know, people kind of just will buy it and then like select their audience or whatever and then call it a day put in like five to ten dollars a day call it a day right um there really is like a whole like i mean people do this for a living like there's a whole like side to it where um you can easily for 40 out get get like a, a course Uh, study up on it and really maximize your ads so you're not wasting money and you're reaching uh, most amount of people and you're able to track what ads are working so you can kind of like delete ads that aren't working and then like boost ads that are working you know so it it doesn't hurt to kind of just like educate yourself on how to run an ad instead of throwing your money away
7: sure yeah I agree I agree Uh, it can be a great tool and um, especially right now I'm seeing like you know back in the day like say 5 4 or 5 years ago facebook and instagram ads were like cost per lead was super high and yeah. now we're kind of getting back to a golden age of when they're they're kind of coming back down again which is great for us as like gym owners and fitness entrepreneurs to uh you know obviously use those platforms best way possible but yeah like you said it's definitely it's definitely a skill that we need to uh we should be learning or or reach out to other people to kind of show us the way yeah. to do it if you
6: can afford to hire someone definitely take a take a quick course and yeah exactly you know add it to your knowledge
7: I agree 100%. Now you brought up partnerships too, like strategic partnerships. What does that work look like for you and how have you been able to best use that to uh, basically Um, grow your business?
6: So what I'll do is I'll have like wellness events where I kind of just invite people that are in the industry that kind of want to like show off their brand to my network. And in turn, they're kind of bringing their network in through promoting. So I'll do like wellness events Um, maybe partner up with some like different brands to kind of like, you know, cross promote. I I do a lot of cross promotions, like, um, with massage people and, you know, services that I don't offer that maybe they're interested in with me. Uh, I do a lot of cross promotion. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I've been doing like the promotions. Um, I, I want to get more into paid promotions on like, instagram and stuff like that i haven't really like gotten to that yet but it's definitely on my to-do list
7: <laughs> yeah no it's huge for sure again massive platforms we got to use those a thousand percent in this space especially for a have going on with retreats and merchandise and meal prep uh training obviously so a lot of different uh avenues that you can play with which is awesome you know a lot of different touch points for sure so like Sarah, you sound super busy. What is like a day like for you right now? Like a typical day in your life uh, as an entrepreneur in this fitness space, you know, in the year 2022?
6: I mean, it's bananas, but um, I, I wake up and I take every day as it comes. Um, yep. You know, I kind of try to organize my day by category. So Mondays is meal prep Mondays.
5: Yep.
6: Um, I am completely don't ask me about training don't ask me yeah. do not get a response until tuesday
5: right. because
6: um you know i just have to switch my brain to meal yeah. prep era so yeah. it's like i try to take it day by day and yeah. you know like i'll have like on my group class days i'll be all about like group class era um yeah. and like yes. my one-on-ones my one-on-ones i wake up at 5 a.m uh, yeah. 4 a.m and i start looking at their programs, sending them programs, right,
5: right. Uh,
6: you know, communicating with them via email or whatever. I try not to text yeah. them directly, But um, so it's kind of just like making sure you have that checklist of all the things you need sure. to get done and just taking sure. it off as you go. And that's it. Like, you know, <laughs> you got to take you it as on. it comes.
7: For sure. hundred percent. And uh, kind of systematize your day and everything since you have so much going on. I yeah. you know. That'll That'll do you have a team of people with you, or is this a one? Is this a one-person show? Yeah, it's
6: usually just me, but I okay. like I do have a chef. I do okay. have like you know you like I have loyal um, clientele yeah. that want to work for me. Which once I open my gym space, yeah. you know, like I'll have a front desk person, or like I'll have trainers right. if they want right. to rent the space out. Because um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for so many years. It's like you yeah. accumulate people you throughout yeah. the years.
5: Sure, and sure,
6: some people are kind of just want to jump on the bandwagon and like you know like be a part of the movement um because they see the potential so have a few quite a few of those like okay. one particular um this girl lauren i'm sure she'll be listening um she's just like always like do you need help with anything i think she awesome. kind of feels bad for me because i'm like this one person trying to like do, everything.
7: do everything right exactly
6: <laughs> she's like you poor thing do you need any help <laughs> That's
7: great to, yeah great to have members like that I, I can recall some of mine as well so it means yeah. we're doing a lot of things right, you know? It means they really, uh, uh, you know, we care about them and they do the same back in return. Yeah. Sarah, how did this meal prep part of the business come about? Because I think that's pretty unique. And, oh, I
6: actually uh, was yeah. meal prepping before I was training. Yeah, uh, okay. This is kind of, it really happened organically. Like I was um, meal prepping for myself, like I always do. And then I posted it on, um, I, at the time it was Facebook before people were really using Instagram. And then everyone was like, oh, can you cook for me? And yeah. then, you so my entrepreneur brain was like, mm. <laughs> well, Easy. yeah. Well, so, yeah. you know, like, like the gears started turning in my brain and I was like, mm. this is really even before mm. meal prep was like popular or a thing, like, so, um, so. I just had a few clients that, you know, while I was prepping for myself, I just prepped them and I charged them 120 bucks or whatever. And then it became more systematic and organized. I started having a menu because I saw the potential of the money there. Um, And I'm like, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like at the point now, it's like I make in six hours meal prepping what I'll make in like an entire week of training. Um, So it's kind of like, yeah. something that i will never let go of because it's just you know kind of my bread and butter so
7: yeah, yeah that's awesome like uh and obviously roi is huge there so like leads us into the next part perfectly your new location right you have uh moving into a, a brick and mortar here shortly uh i won't say when because who knows like with real estate gets crazy right but soon so very soon and uh To be able to do meal meal prep, uh, running it out of there as well. So uh, talk to us about your new location and how that's going to kind of help change your business.
6: So I think um, it's really just going to be able to help me scale it. Um, You know, right now, like I was saying earlier, I'm kind of like a nomadic uh, person. I don't have my own space. I rent out at other spaces so yeah. it will really be able to kind of just seal the energy of everything i offer under one roof and it will also be able i'll be able to scale it to uh you know larger
5: yeah, yeah.
6: um sure. and so honestly the skies are the limits yeah. moving forward when that happens
7: yeah i like it i love it uh so perfect time to talk to you now in the new location obviously the meal prep part of the business are you looking to really grow the fitness side of things too classes and yeah
6: I definitely want to um I think like it all works together because you know like uh, for example my clients um as you know they always say nutrition's what like um 80% of it working on 20% of it so (laughs) it's kind of like uh being able to say it show it and offer it like um so as far as the working out, yes, I'm definitely, um, that's going to be a huge part of it. There'll definitely be memberships. So yeah. you can come and work that on your own. If you want to do the classes, the classes, yeah. uh, I'll probably have a tier system. Um,
5: yeah. Yeah.
6: and, um, I think it's just something that, you know, I, I preach the whole 80% food, nutrition, 20% exercise and yeah. I'll continue preaching that. Um, and it's really been able to have incredible before like results like i have so many befores and afters and a lot of it has to do with me pushing that that model
7: right. that's huge those those pictures are huge too for promotional like uh avenues yes. you know massively you
6: and afters if you're a trainer because you can talk yes. all day you can post yourself working out yeah but no one's gonna and nothing's gonna get you clients like those before and afters i and agree Word totally. of mouth as well
7: yeah, I agree a thousand percent. Those are those are huge, especially when you walk somebody into the gym. You know, uh, say you have a good little office for a sales office and they see all these testimonials on the front wall. They're going to be like, holy hell, this this actually works, you know, yes. so it's, it, it helps uh, everything. And it's great. And um, yeah, I, I love that. So with in regards to like the, the group training, the PT, how have you come up with your pricing structure? Is it based on other gyms or is it your own thing or how has that worked?
6: I do look at the competition just um, yeah. because, you know, like I. I feel like I'm a little bit on the lower end, and that's only because I don't have my own space.
5: Sure. Uh, and I,
6: it will go up when I move yeah. in that, just because you know you got to pay rent, like. <laughs>
5: pay the so, bills, yeah, yeah.
6: And you're also offering a more like professional, like right. you know. So, yeah. I will. The prices are going up
7: okay long story short
6: yeah enjoy it it now (laughs)
7: yeah yeah you got to pay the rent or mortgage lights cable all that fun stuff you know it's uh it's not cheap to run a business as we know. yeah Cost of doing business is not and it's not getting cheaper so yeah we have to raise those rates i agree and what we do is so valuable so like i think it's just super important so now we have the base membership or pt we talked about other services you offer ways to raise average revenue per member we talked about uh the retreat piece i believe right we talked about that i think so
6: Yes. Um, I
7: think we did, but uh, before that, we talked about. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about it before or after we started recording, so we'll bring it up again. But we talked about the retreat, meal prep. Now I know we have some other things going on with like uh, apparel and all that sort of stuff. Yes. So uh, talk to us about that part of your business.
6: I think for any, like any, like person that owns. Uh, like a business or a company, merch is so like huge. Uh, it's just another little way where you can not only like can your clients like wear you, rep you, um, another form of income. So uh, I, I offer like really cute matching sets, um, you know, like accessories like resistance bands, massage guns, um, you know, just stuff that people wear and use like all the time and they feel more connected to my brand because i you know they're using my brand they're seeing me for their services so there's that connection there as opposed to buying something on amazon they have no value there because they don't know it's coming from china or wherever there's right. no connection so yeah. when wearing your stuff it's like they feel a sense of pride and like you know this is my trainer's brand like you know like they love it people love it so if you have a uh, a brand definitely incorporate merchandise and clothes yeah. and all that into into it
7: I agree, and you have a you have such a good business name that I think that's a big uh, asset to Like Focus Games, it's not just like Sarah's Gym or something like that. It's like you know. Oh yeah,
6: no, I I think that's for small. Like I I yeah. think. If you say like, oh, Sarah is fit, it's like you're kind of limiting yourself. If if yes. you if you're thinking on a grander scheme, like you want to be global, like you want you want to be able to identify with it. Yeah. Like if you're just saying, oh, Sarah's gym, like you know, like or fit by Sarah, it's like you're limiting it to like you're just your people. Like you know what I mean. I so it's, it's good to have a name that everyone can identify with yes, and I, feel attracted to, you know?
7: For sure. I think it's awesome. So, yeah, I love that your mind was there already when you were came up with this yeah. name, you know, years ago. I was ago, thinking so.
6: global from the beginning. I'm like, I, 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 I don't so want to just. As
7: well, right. Well, you might as well think big. What the hell? Why not? Every yeah. so somebody else can do it, we can do it. And uh, yeah, I think our brand is like our overall, like our best lead generator. So uh, just, really cool that you guys are. So we're talking. We're thinking big here, Sarah global in nature so next 12 to 18 months for you and focus gains as a business what are some of the main things you're focused on here i know we've touched on some things but main thing you're focused on here for growth
6: um definitely i wanna um well once i have the space you know build it out get it kind of like the vision going um and then just kind of like like build clientele base uh, build memberships um make add add more cooler services as I go uh create a space like a wellness center type space Uh, really I'm just growth and expansion and then if that goes well then opening a new spot and then a new spot you know so but for now it's really just getting it going um and building up memberships and kind of the like building a name for itself
7: yeah I agree a great goal for sure with this new space do you have like a member number in mind or a capacity number in mind um gonna be smaller or bigger like what are you what are you looking at what would be great for you
6: you? I think the capacity is 68 uh so at a time in a sitting so, wow. I mean, it's pretty like medium size, just yeah, not like yeah. a huge Planet Fitness type gym. Right. Um, right. Their models, what like um, low, low don't number, high. Yeah. Or yeah, don't show up and you can't, it's hard for you to cancel your membership and you forget about it because it's $10.
5: Right, exactly. Um, but,
6: <laughs> but yeah, so there's this kind of like high quantity, low number, like pricing. Okay. Okay. Like, mine's will be more like a uh, boutique type, like where it's high prices. Sure. And high price, and then like CrossFit, like your yeah. like your gym used to own, yeah. you like what a hundred and something a month, yeah. and then yeah. and you have like a lower quantity of people that come. Right,
7: right, yeah. Focus quality over quantity, but a, definitely a higher price point. You know, which is yes. uh, many ways to do it. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's just what wanna, we just, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it's uh again. I think what we do is super valuable, so we should charge for it. You know, now. So we've laid out kind of why you started this thing, where you are, where we're going. Sarah, where can people find you? I know you have retreat, retreats coming up, wellness retreats.
6: Yes, Labor Day weekend, all- doing a Mind, yeah, Body, Soul retreat. <laughs> yeah,
7: so talk to us about that. Um, I can't remember if we hit it or not. I apologize. So let's talk about it again. You say you say get- um,
6: so I have a Mind, Body, Soul retreat coming yep. um, Labor Day weekend, um, September 2nd through the 5th. Yep. It's going to be in Costa Rica on Tamarindo Beach. So nice. If you've ever been been there, it's so beautiful. It's like the perfect place to do a retreat. Uh, It's warm, friendly. Uh, You get to connect to nature. um, And and just like, um, it's all inclusive too. So you don't have, all you do is buy your plane ticket and you don't have to worry about anything. The itinerary set up, all the excursions, all the food, drinks, and um, services. There's like a lot of healing services, massages, cupping, um, Ricky. mindset workshops. Um so everything's set up. All you do is just show up, book it, show up and just have a magical time.
7: It sounds great to me. And uh have you been to Costa Rica before? I've never been.
6: I have been to Costa Rica, yeah. but it was more I was in the city. Um okay. Okay. but everyone that goes like in the rainforest and you yeah. know, those excursions and stuff like that, mm. they're like it, it, it's just a magical place, like,
7: yeah, I've heard good things, yeah, I've heard good things, I follow, I follow some people who who live there, so, like, in the fitness world, so, like, yeah, it seems pretty cool, great place for a wellness retreat, that's for sure. sure, where can everybody else find you, like, your social media, your website, where can we find you, and check you out, and follow your story,
6: so, um, on IG, I'm at Focus Beans, um, and then my website is www.focusgains.com um and basically just focus gains you'll find me on facebook um and that's pretty much all the spots that i'm on i'm trying to create a tiktok because i heard yeah. that's like the weight well it is the wave right now so
7: yeah it is too especially in our field right fitness and again yeah. with the, the, the advertising piece it's yeah it's it's definitely coming up coming hard for sure so uh Sarah, this is great. I love your name. I love your model. I love all the things you have going on. And uh, I know you're going to be successful. So I don't have to wish that to you, but I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so much.
6: It was so nice meeting you.
7: You as well. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, we appreciate you guys as well. Please hit like and subscribe to be notified for our future episodes. And until next time, Gym Lords, we are out.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexesgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcastgymlaunch.com. At Four, leave us a five star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.